You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? Welcome to Noisy Narratives. My name is Debbie Vallejo, and I am here along with Christy Williams and Jennifer Morgan. We're excited to have Jennifer here. Christy's going to do the introduction. We have an expert in the room. We're very excited to have an expert in the room. Um, We like experts. We do like experts because that means y'all know about all of it. We're not an expert. No, and her her expertise is so long that she even said the, um, the, what is the, the, the title, title, the, title, the abbreviations yes. that come at the end of her title are almost longer than her name. So give us your title, Jennifer Morgan. I'm a speech language pathologist with a master's of science and I have, there's three C's after my name and it's a clinical competency certification. So very fancy. Wow. It is fancy. So we had you in today because we feel like there are moms out there that are raising kids that are not sure about developmentally where their kids should be. If they're on track, if there aren't, you can trust your doctor, but it's also nice to have somebody else um, affirm what the doctor says or just another mom saying, hey, I do this for a living. And so these are some of the things that you need to look out for. So give us kind of what does your week look like? What do you do during the week? Um, well, I work with patients. I go into their homes and I do therapy. Um, I have little ones that have just gotten out of the hospital that maybe were, maybe were born early. And then I also see some big guys that are, you know, in their 20s or 30s that have syndromes or disorders like autism or Down syndrome or cerebral palsy or something like that. So I see kind of the gamut, just not the super elderly people. Oh, that makes sense. And I was shocked one time. You said you saw an 18-month-year-old. Yes. And I was mm-hmm. like, 18 months? You see 18? Mm-hmm. So when well, you she see sees babies, too. Yeah, babies. Well, yeah. Like, you know, I mean... There, I think now it's more common to have a premature birth, which is anybody, you know, you have your 40-week gestational right. cycle. So anything prior to 36 that's born, we consider those babies premature. So sometimes you will have developmental problems because they're supposed to still be in the belly and the lungs are supposed to still be developing. And then even for eating, you have a suck, swallow, breathe pattern that kind of develops after 36 weeks of gestation. So when you come out of your mom's belly before then, then you've got to spend some time learning to breathe, learning to adapt to the environment. And so those babies will spend some time in an EQ, a neonatal intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. And then um, when they get discharged, you know, they're sometimes they're on typical development paths, but sometimes they need a little bit of help. Like, you know, they've been in a bed and they maybe haven't been held as much as Mm -hmm. Not that they haven't been held as much or neglected, but their focus was on breathing and surviving and keeping their heart going. Meaning they're in like the they're little in tube like or the, the little encasing thing. thing. In and the NICU. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes, I know whenever, my son was an EQ baby. And so um, I think it was day three before I could actually hold him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty early. Like he was making really good progress. But um, then after that, when I did choose to hold him, I had to hold him for like three hour periods because, again, they're ba- they're supposed to still be in your belly and this really tight little wound. Mm-hmm. 
womb. So you want to, you want to give them that comfort, that stability of sameness. So three hours though, that seems very scientific and precise. Well, I mean, that might've been me <laughs> kind of being more like, okay. I do have some type A inside me where I need yeah. to, okay. just you know, like sure. in my head, like you couldn't just like pick him up and oh, the phone rings, I got to go put him down. You know, yeah, like right. you you're committed. sit there, you needed to bond, yes. you needed to give him that um, touch. Okay. Um, so, so your title's an OT occupational therapist. So I work closely with occupational therapist and I work closely with physical therapist and I am the speech language pathologist part of that. So if you look at the therapy umbrella and there's other therapies, there's like music therapy, there's ABA therapy. I mean, there's a ton of therapies. There's hippotherapy that you can do for your kids, but so a, applied behavior analysis and hippotherapy is the horse therapy. Right. Just and for people tons, listening, like, what are all these things? There's tons of therapies out there, and that's <laughs> yeah. just a few. Yes. Um, but Which, I mean, grateful we live in a time where yeah. there's so much, right? That's awesome. Yeah, because um, I have a nephew that's autistic. And so, like, 20 years ago, not, a lot of those therapies weren't around. And right. so you, you couldn't, I mean, and then insurances really didn't pay for them. So now, like, the applied behavior analysis yeah. insurances are starting to pay for that. Right. Um, hippotherapy for a long time was just um, based upon, like, kind of fundraisers and charities and things like that. So it's kind of cool. But I think occupational therapy, physical therapy, and speech therapy has been kind of the traditional therapies. Mm -hmm. And the fact that our profession's been around, our state boards and our profession's been around a pretty long time. Mm -hmm. And so speech therapy is the talking side of it. Um, Physical therapy you can think of as kind of like walking, jogging, jumping, and running. Um, coordination type thing. And then OT kind of blends the two therapies of the body together. They work with uh, a little bit with fine motor and then also with behavior and um, things like that. Because occupational therapy is going to be a lot of what kind of things does my body need to do to be able to sit Mm -hmm. in a chair and write at school or to be in a workplace Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, right? And Mm -hmm. then um, so speech, how do you blend that together with OT? That's it. Because there, there's a lot of that in the littles mm-hmm. I know. And it's always fascinated me because it's mm-hmm. so kind of like Christy was saying, it's so precise. It is precise. Like, and it's amazing to hear you guys talk. So how do those two work with like, when you're looking with kids, like the toddlers? Um, so the three branches I kind of focus on are feeding therapy, which is what I usually work on with my baby babies. And then, and um, the speech part of therapy is like your S's and your Z's and your articulation, the way you made sound, mm-hmm. you know, like Cindy from the Brady Bunch. Yes. Mm-hmm. People remember that. And then the <laughs> language part, which you listen and follow directions on and then what you put out and what you can say. So those are my areas. And they kind of intertwine with OT and physical therapy with feeding. If your core and your center is not strong then you're going to have a hard time moving the little muscles in your mouth, which we call those the fine motor muscles, like the little fingertip muscles or fine motor muscles. What do you mean core and center? Like like you're using your your abs, your your ribs, your breath support, all the things in like the core that comes straight off your spine. Those are the things that um, we need those to be super strong if you're going to put food in your mouth or if you're going to suck and swallow. I find myself sitting up as we're talking. But think about it, if you if something goes into your mouth and your muscles are moving slower because you're not used to that movement or that that item being in your mouth, then it may get stuck in your airway or something. And you've got to have really strong lungs and a belly to cough that out mm-hmm. to move. So that's where 
kind of like the big motor or the gross motor, which I think of physical therapists when I think of gross motor. Um, and then the occupational therapist ties us together because they're going to use the little muscles with your hands. And they help a lot with our tracking and kind of like pulling to midline. What I mean by midline is if you draw a line down the center of your body, that's your midline. So if you're a baby, you got to hold the bottle and bring it to your mouth. Like all that area needs to be really tight so that you can suck, swallow, and breathe without formula going in the wrong place. Interesting. Because if it goes in the lungs, then you might get sick. If you can't get it out. So, it, so my daughter, my youngest, um, and she won't mind me sharing cause she'll tell you, but she was relatively nonverbal and like for, so I took her at three, I got her, um, kind of evaluated like as soon as you turn three, I was at the school, mm-hmm. you know, in the center or whatever. Well, and, and Frisco is such a great, they're program. so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And so, um, got her evaluated and they're like, Oh yeah, you should, mama should be able to understand her 80% of the time. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, <laughs> maybe 10% if I'm lucky. And it's cause she points. And I mean, she, so hers was kind of obvious for the most part, but she was in speech for two years for like five hours a week over at the, mm-hmm. the young, the, the early childhood the early center, childhood center mm-hmm. or whatever. So her, what, what she was struggling with, I guess, kind of stood out in some ways in the end. Right. Cause you can tell if they're not mm-hmm. talking. Right. Um, but what are some things like parents are going, mom's like maybe going, there's something not quite right, but I could my, can't put my finger on it. Like what are some things? Cause we get like those niggling, yes. we get those little niggling yeah. feelings put over stomach and we can't quite figure mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. Well, cause so, you're comparing them also to the other kids, your kids true. around and you're like, this isn't right. This. Yes. Yeah. And she was my third. So I, which I think was part of the problem because her mm-hmm. siblings talked for her Huge is what problem. I learned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not the problem, but, but part, of yes, the part of the issue. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. What are some things, like, question. what would you tell moms of like little kids? Like, um, so little ones, I feel like if you designate little ones, like what little is your ones? Okay. We'll just do like, well, feeders. Three and a, we'll okay. start with feeders. Cause that's zero to 12, right? You're okay. on a bottle from zero to 12. So 12 months. if, if you months. feel like your child's well, like maybe a month or two after is fine, right? For sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Maybe <laughs> your fourth child that you're too I, lazy to take away. From. You know, I mean, there's definitely <laughs> developmental norms. Like you need to be eating. You need to be off the bottle at right. twelve months. You I need to say that. one word at one year. You need to say two words at two years. Like putting okay. two word sentences together. Those are nuggets. So a word at one year, two one years, word at one year, two, two words, words together at two years. Okay. And in order to be able to do that, you're going to have to have a pool of nouns. So like. Mom, dad, Cheerios, juice, cup. You need like 25 to 50 of those words. By the time you're two. Two-ish. Okay. Two-ish. Because you have to have a pool in order to put Uh two together. You have to Mm -hmm. have... You have to have to be able to a word merge. bank yes. to be able to merge on, right? Okay. And then you want about 10 verbs. I think the 10 verbs are important. Okay. What um, are your top 10 verbs, Jennifer? Um, <laughs> eat, go, want. Those are big ones. And then it's kind of situational, like, you know, maybe, well, up is a preposition, but still kids uh, mean yeah. up, like, as yes, an action. they do. They do. Um, You're at four. Yeah. You have six more. I mean, just throwing <laughs> it up Chris there. going to put you on the spot. That was me. Um, <laughs> it'll come up over time. Me. We'll put them together. We'll continue adding to yeah, your bank. Yeah, drink. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I probably repeated that one. Just the ones okay. you're going to use, like yeah. slide, go. Fat. I'm not fast. I think fast one of the only adjective. ones she knew that I understood clearly was no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, <laughs> no is really easy. I think that was one. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> okay, that so that's easy. like the, so 
Uh, one and then by three, language just kind of explodes. Okay. It explodes because then they start asking you that why question. And that was what three tends to, three seems to me to be like a pretty clear line. Like that mm-hmm. was, so my master's is in, but it's working with emotional behavioral disorders, that kind of stuff. So to me, there's so many areas of special education mm-hmm. and they're so specialized now. I mean, just cause you're good at what, like I knew nothing about speech pathology, like zero, so it really it's didn't stand out to me until all of a sudden like like you're comparing all of a sudden there's this drastic difference mm-hmm. right right so um, but we don't want to shame ourselves as moms but early intervention it helps it's, it's super key. important it's super right important. it's huge mm-hmm. so if you find yourself going you're listening right now and you're like okay I feel like my kid maybe has two words total at the age of two right what so be you glad do? you live in Texas because right? Texas has ECI which is an early childhood program. So from zero to three, you can get those little ones tested. Like tested um, for free? Is that what you're saying? Tested for free. So we're, so if you didn't live in Frisco, do you just go to your low, your, your elementary um, school and you walk in to say, I need testing, or you call? They yes. Won't. Oh, you're, okay. um, you can walk into the school district and they should have the information to provide for ECI. you. For That's ECI. Amazing. Your physician should have the information to provide you the ECI. Okay. There's also a 211 in Texas. Mm. And you should be able to call that number. It's kind of like a... What's a 2 M- Is that like 411 used to be? Maybe. What's 211? I don't... I is 211 the mental health one? Maybe. It's the one for social services. Yeah. That's okay. what I'm thinking. Um, oh, so it's just a general line that you can call and say, hey, I'm having these problems. I know for some of the people that I work with are lower income families. So we mm-hmm. make sure that they're signed up on that 211 list. So if there is a natural disaster or something, mm-hmm. that they can call that number and say, hey... My kid's on event. I need transportation to X, Y, Z for safety because we only have eight more hours left on our right, event. Right, because we're about to they run out of power. They can call that. Um, okay. So it's a really good – I have not utilized it except for maybe to register people whenever – and that was a long time ago whenever it first started up. Um, so you're saying call 211 and they will – They will give you information on services available in the state of Texas. So is there a reason to be scared of this? Speech language? Like scared of, of going down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out no. if there's something going on I with my kids. Research, so tell us why. I heard a stat a long time ago that most people in their lifetime, 8 to 10 of people will have some type of speech and language problem. 8 to 10? 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Yeah. Wow. And think about it. I mean, I don't know. I, I look at kids as not so much like you didn't say your first word at one year, but um, as a fine motor which is your little muscles in your body, like your mouth and your fingers, and gross motor babies. And those are your runners and your jumpers, you know, the ones that you say, oh, he's busy. Yes. You know, and then, you know, the one that works with their finger, you're like, oh, they color so nicely. Yes. (laughs) You know, like those two. And kids are really good about whatever they're good at, they're going to take off and grow in. So if your kid is a runner and a jumper, that means that they have really good, strong, big muscles. And if your child likes to stay at home, and or not stay at home, but likes to color or more know, the fine pick, motor fine stuff, motor stuff the little Legos, fingers, things like that. Right? Yes. Um, then, you know, they're probably going to start talking earlier because it's the same little muscles that they would use for their mouth to make I'm sounds. learning so much right now. This is so cool. That is interesting. I know. And so it's not, don't be scared of it then. If there's something on your radar, no. just ask. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you have free services, I mean, my mm-hmm. word. Well, because if they had an ear infection, you wouldn't just sit there and let them cry. That's a great you would analogy. take them to the doctor and find yeah. out what's going on. And I know, like my son, again, I said he was um, an EQ. He was a 33, kind of 34 weeker. 
And um, when he was born, like his head only faced the left. And it didn't help because my dad held him and he watched the Astros game and he was looking straight at my dad, which was great, great speech and language. But if like his like he was literally looking to the left the whole time. I'm like, that's not okay. So I went to my doctor at like two weeks. No, he came home at two weeks. So four weeks appointment, we went to the doctor and I was like, well, I think he has some torticollis and torticollis is when the muscles, an OT, an occupational therapist would be able to tell you better. So give me grace. If yeah, you're you're, you're merging into the OT world right now. Right. And, but it support it's neck muscles mm-hmm. and it's the way that your head turns and it does with head shaping and stuff. And um, I was like, it's not normal. Like, he's turning to the left. And the doctor was like, nah, he'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, I'll give you two weeks, doctor. And then we're calling an OT, an -hmm. occupational therapist. And so two more weeks went by and nothing had changed. And then he wrote me my script for my occupational therapist. So you were really, though, good at being your kid's advocate and saying, I'm not going to 100% trust this doctor. Right. I am going to go, I'm going to lean into my mommy instincts to go, Mm -hmm. this doesn't seem right or natural. Right. And because he was born early, we were also referred out to a developmental pediatrician, Mm -hmm. which it sounds like your PPC pediatrician and your developmental pediatrician are the same. But, and again, if you're either one of these professions... I'm just generalizing. Yes. So don't don't get offended. Don't, we don't, have, don't we, write us nasty emails. And we don't have a call right. in line, so we're safe. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. Um, the last time we did this, I said to call in, and Christy just, I'm never going to live that down. Because we don't have a call in funny. line. It was so great. It <laughs> we're going to have to put this one in the order right after that other one. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was funny. It was funny. So just, your like PBC was, physician looks at you like, is your heart working? Is your blood pressure good? Are your eyes working? Your ears working? Those type of mechanical things things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a developmental pediatrician looks at you overall, like how's your social and emotional well-being? How are you playing with other children? How are you interacting with your mom? How's your mom interacting with you? And that includes eye contact and mm-hmm. language development and mumbling for babies probably and right. doing the little mouth movements they the do. And the ease exactly. and the coos and the raspberries and things like that. Oh, cute things. So I, um, not sure how to word this well, but are there things that you would go, if a kid struggled with speech, that you would advise the parents to not do? Like limit oh, your that's a good question. screen time. <laughs> Don't let them be on the iPad as okay, much. Okay, let's let Jennifer answer. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chrissy's like. Okay, so if are. my kid's struggling in an area, I think that I would probably, I, when I guess whenever you said that, I think of the child who either stutters so has a problem getting their words out fluently, like maybe they bounce. I don't know. Like like I'm doing now. They're kind of stuttering. Like mm-hmm. where they're just not getting it out. And you're like, hurry up. I got to go do laundry. I got to get your shoes mm-hmm. on. Like, let's go. Like a child like that or the child that like says wabbit for rabbit, mm-hmm. you know. And either situation, I think as moms, like just take a step back, listen. And then go, oh, you said, you know, and and give them extra time because lots of times kids muddle through or or struggle with something because they're they're young. They've got a lot of input coming into them. They've got a lot of long verbalizations from us as moms and then a lot of like things going on in the room, you know, Mm -hmm. like that they're not they're not used to seeing like they don't know how the lights turn on and things like I mean, they're processing a lot of information. So I think just giving them time to listen, listen to them, absorb what they're saying, and then repeating it back to them in a slow, simple manner mm-hmm. kind of helps 
them get through that struggle. And then modeling. Modeling is the biggest thing. Like if um, they're having trouble with a certain sound, you know, maybe whenever you say rabbit, you hold your R out a little bit longer and maybe open your mouth up a little bit more so that they can see we're actually producing that sound. Because lots of times it's, they're just growing so fast, their body skips a step because kids really like to please and they really like to learn and grow. And um, so sometimes you just have to slow that down and like say, oh, when we say our S, our teeth are together, our tongue is in our mouth, you know, mm-hmm. let's make long S sounds and then practice it. Well, time that's what is speech, great practice time. And speech pathologists, y'all are so good about that. Like I remember I would go pick Bella up and she would tell me the things they had worked on and mm-hmm. we would do like snake, like this down your arm yes. and all these little things. And like, I didn't know any of that. And so we would do that all week long mm-hmm. <laughs> working on the, you know, so y'all are so good about. So then if you're doing that, mm-hmm. right. See, I feel like the screen time discussion is different, but it does, does impact speech, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of therapists out there um, that love to incorporate screen time into their therapy sessions. And I'm just, I have a hard time with that oh, because funny. I feel like conversation is definitely eye contact it's me asking questions. It's you asking questions and us giving short, us giving answers to one another, you know, whether they short or brief, whatever. It's enough to keep you engaged with me. Like that's what conversation is. And I feel like screen time is so like exclusive of that. I think that's why people have a hard time with the Zoom calls and stuff. Like I've been doing teletherapy this last year. Well, you can't even look people in the eye. And then, yeah, calls. like some hard. of our goals were eye contact because it was mostly my adults. You know, they didn't want they didn't want them to um, come into COVID. So, um, but it was hard because I'm working on eye contact, and some of these guys have never even spoken on the phone. So I'm like, okay, well, first our goal first is just to sit in front of a computer because that's just not rewarding to them. Yeah, I mean, an iPad would be different, but then they would be getting off me to go to YouTube. Yeah, you know, and um. Well, I have a question then. Why do some therapists suggest using the iPad? Like, what's the benefit that they see? Because it's so motivating and rewarding. Like, you could probably get a kid to do a lot of things with an iPad. Because they feel like it keeps them engaged. That's yeah. what you're saying better. Mm-hmm. But are and the I'm results the same as what you would see? I mean, I understand the rewards, but are the results, are you getting the same results? Or are you getting the same results at the same pace? Yeah, I mean, some of those therapists are great therapists. Well, I'm not I saying mean, that I'm not having nothing against therapists. Yeah. But the kid, if you put two kids, one that did your form and then one that did the iPad, is the results going to be the same and at the same pace? I would think the face-to-face would get faster results. I mean, oh, teletherapy versus face-to-face therapy? I'm yeah. talking about iPad. Whatever. Yeah, like, so the like iPad if you're thing. saying that you're using an iPad to work yeah. on a speech lesson, do you feel like if you did not use an iPad and someone did it, I feel like you could use either avenues. You just need a therapist that knows how to manipulate that situation or uh, manage that, that situation, not manipulate. That's so how to engage in or out with, yeah. in other words, how to engage back and forth mm-hmm. in a way that makes it rewarding without overusing mm-hmm. it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, because my goal sense. whenever I'm in a therapy session is really to get as many probes as I can. And what I mean by a probe is if we are working on an S sound, get you to use that good S sound as many times as you can. Yes. So one of my professors in school is like, if, you are working on an S sound for a full minute, you should have at least 60 responses. And that's so like muscle lot. memory, right? Muscle yes, memory. That's what you're working on. Just like you go to the weight room mm-hmm. and you exercise your big thinking. muscles, we're exercising our little muscles when we're talking about speech production. Yeah. And um, now when we're talking about like language or pragmatics, which is socializing with one another, like that's a little bit more, I mean, you can structure that in a way. 
but it's a lot more like environment. Like we've got to set up the environment so that you can ask me appropriately and just not grab my drink off the table and drink it. You know, like you need to ask and things like that. Um, so how much if you, I mean, cause this is so interesting. Like how much then with kids, um, should you be interacting during the day, like having conversations, engaging, like if you're saying like a two to three year old, they're on screens now too, right? They're on iPads. Mm-hmm. You see them like, but how much time when you're talking about language development and all that kind of stuff, should they be interacting with people through the day? And yeah. Talking? Well, here, here's going to be your hate calls. <laughs> we don't have a phone line, remember? So we're fine. Because I mean, you can't call in. I, I know that my feeling is that it really shouldn't. Like you really shouldn't. Like zero. Like you should not have that no. I did this. And I'm saying I, my kids watch TV. My kids yeah. were all about Disney Channel. Um. So I'm um, don't do what I did. Yeah. Um. But I mean, really, if your child's ninety percent of the time a zero to two year old and they're on the screen. I would take a break and try to turn it off for 30 minutes and see what kind of reaction you get. And if they're still able to engage with you in transition, then maybe they're a kid that can tolerate that. But I would think that they might tantrum, throw a fit because they're not getting that stimulation because the TV stimulation these days, it's not like when we used to watch Bugs Bunny or the Flintstones. Yes. Like my kids can't even watch the Flintstones or right. Bugs Bunny. It's too boring it moves, for them. Yeah. And it's then slow. even the, like the rapid with the eye movement yes. and stuff, like, Every time your your eyes are taking a picture of something as it moves or stimulated, that's your brain has to process that information. Yeah. It just can't dump it. So that's a lot to ask for a baby who is inside your womb for nine months and then now has to deal with lights, room, air. Oh, this is my hand in space. You know, like that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um I do think like songs are good for kids because Music. songs create rhythm and melody. Um, and I think that that's good and soothing. Well, and that was actually like baby Einstein. Mm-hmm. And just listening to that in the back, like th- that was, I remember growing up on things like Music Machine and oh, Bullfrogs yeah. and Butterflies mm-hmm. and Salty mm-hmm. the Singing Songbook. And that stuff was always playing. You're singing along. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there were, it's almost like that was in and of itself language. Like mm-hmm. you're putting the word pictures together in your mind as you're listening. Right. Whereas TV and iPads and all that are doing all that for you. Right. It's doing everything, right? So and I not- even remember with the whole back to sleep move- movement, we um, as therapists kind of encountered a problem where kids stopped, cr- not stopped crawling, but crawling was delayed. And oh, some kids even switched and didn't crawl. They scooted yes. went to walking. Yes. And you think, oh, well, that's the physical therapist problem, not mine. I'm a speech therapist. But no, it was my problem, too, because if if you can't pull your arms to midline and you can't push up to crawl, then if you are eating something, a texture that's not good for you or that your mouth can't manage, then you're going to have trouble coughing that up. Because you're not developing those because muscles. Because you, you missed a developmental stage. So then there's a part of your core that didn't develop. So that whole, those fun. whole like three months of crawling around on the floor mm-hmm. and getting faster and pulling rolling, up that way, rolling tummy time, our suit time, our super They important. are so important. And with kids on their back, they weren't used to having that pressure on their belly. So when they went mm-hmm. to lay on their belly, they're just like freaking out crying. And they were crying. And then moms would roll them back over because they couldn't stand here right. and cry, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I'm sensing the issue. That's interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. I just think um, I love – this is why I love development. I love development because from the time you were born, we have been put on a path for success. And the fact that 
feeding. Like whenever you, um, when you're first born, like the baby's hungry, right? Like mm-hmm. they're used to getting an umbilical cord that feeds them all day long. So if you just brush the child's face, they'll like root to find the breast to breastfeed or, mm-hmm. you know, bottle feed. Either one's okay. And then the way that your mouth is formed, like you have big fat cheeks. Babies have big fat mm-hmm. cheeks at zero, but it thins out around two. Well, the reason for that is because, again, they've been feeding through an umbilical cord. So now they're going to have a bottle or a breast in their mouth and they need to be able to eat that without worrying about like the milk going in the wrong part of their mouth, which would then end up in their lungs. Mm -hmm. So you have these big fat pillows for cheeks. So the milk goes straight back and then epiglottis falls over and protects your airway. And it's just, and that kind of that rooting reflex stays there for a couple of weeks. Mm. And then um, there's other things like at three months, your salivary glands start so that they can soften your gums so that you can then, teeth and have teeth without it being super painful does that make you just stand in awe so, of god at times i do like he created i this. do he and created i created all of this yes and i think that's why i do i don't feel as confident in my skills with feeding as i do with some of my other skills but i do love to discuss feeding because i just see god throughout it that's a whole thing yeah whole absolutely thing. that's amazing that is amazing wow that's so interesting. i mean he knew us so well that he he knew that like we weren't going to be able to handle mm-hmm. Thin, pretty cheeks, and you know, mm-hmm. and the way to grow into certain mm-hmm. things and grow, and that you need to crawl before you can walk. Yeah. So, how do you um, talk to moms who, when you have to give them news they maybe don't want to hear? That's always hard. <laughs> if y'all didn't hear her, she went, oh, Because yeah. <laughs> then we'll get tough. to recommendations for moms as they're listening to hard news, kind of. But first, like, how do you? Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, because if your child is born not following the developmental timeline, then you do um, there. You've got to grieve some of that, right? Totally. 100%. And um, I get to be the one that tells you that we're not going on the right developmental timeline. Um, You're probably really good at it too. You probably don't think you are, but you are very gifted at delivering news that people may not want. It's hard. So I think instead of develop, instead of focusing on things that we can't do, we have to focus on. What we do have, what what does this child have going for them? I remember a patient I had years ago that was, um, <clears throat> I think he'd stayed in the hospital for a year in the NICU. I guess a baby for a full like year? A full oh, year. This yes. Is hard. Um, and he actually went like longer than 10 minutes without oxygen. So they did, they were resuscitating for a long time. And so then now he, there's not a lot of response. Like I remember I was testing him and I literally stuck my whole hand down his mouth trying to get a gag reflex. Mm-hmm. And I got no reflex and how I, would t- you know, like touch his arm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I was even looking for, I can't handle you touching my arm because I'm not used to that. Real fast that you're doing, you're doing this testing to a one-year-old. A one-year-old. Okay. After, so the still year probably the looks like a newborn. Wow. Just okay. because he can't. He's not walking. He's not talking. Mm-hmm. He's not moving. He's not turning his head to sound. Um, he's not responding to your contacting mm-hmm. his arm. So a one-year-old, that's kind of early to say, hey, we therapy's not going to help you. That That's not what this child needs right now. Um, and I'm not saying that he didn't need therapy because he did. We needed to try. Like, yeah. I believe you need to try. And um, But there's a point at which I have to go with, did we make progress? Mm-hmm. 
So whenever we get to the point where we didn't make progress, then that was a bigger discussion. So thankfully, I was able to build a relationship with this mom and we were able to talk about things that he wasn't doing versus what other children his age do or even what delayed children do and like kind of the big skills that I needed him to do. I needed him to respond to my touch. I needed him to track something. I needed him to cry to let me know he wasn't happy or laugh or smile or something. And um, I treated him for like three months, but it definitely started the conversation of discharge, like easily after my first 12 visits. What does that mean for you? Like discharge meaning I'm done. He needs what now? Um, well, we ended up recommending that he um, go to ECI because ECI was different than direct, not that they're not direct skilled intervention, but we do direct one-on-one therapy. So it's me, the child. And then after I'm done, I talk to mom about what we can, what the house can do to help. And so ECI does do therapy and is skilled. It's just, they kind of go through a parent training model and not, a, not only to parent, tra- they provide skilled intervention, but it's a lot, uh, it's a lot, it's More heavier intense. on the home program part. Okay. It's a heavier home program. Okay. Um, where we are kind of, your kid can't get to a clinic, so I'm the clinic coming to you. Right. Um, so it's a little bit different. Um, so we so did. This, it's interesting as I'm listening to you, Jennifer, it just sounds like you know your job so well, right? So and well. the And it sounds from a perspective of a clinician almost, it sounds very clinical. Mm-hmm. But you also live in that emotional space. Right. Because I had to tell this mom of, that. Yeah. Like, so do you carry that home? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you kind of manage that? Has How do you manage that day to day of just knowing? Well, I pray a lot that my kid was, kids will make progress. I yeah. do. I pray, pray all over the time. your patience. I do. Them. I do all the time. And I just pray that God will give me insight on, you know, if I'm working on the wrong muscle or if I'm not doing the right thing, I just pray that during that session that God will give me insight on how I need to change my thought or my view or my perspective. Wait, can we go back to that mom, though? How did she respond when you gave her that information? Well, we had had three months to kind of talk about what we were wanting to do and kind of like what are the first stages. And, I mean, we have tests where we can say, look, these these are yeah. the things mm. that we want. This is like what data has supported that are your first stages. Um, and so, I mean, it was it was clear that he wasn't making the progress. And it wasn't because I wasn't in there mm-hmm. trying and that they weren't in there trying. And they even had nurses. And the nurses were trying. So, there was a lot of help. And what I left her with is I was like, these are, we need to see a change. Mm -hmm. Like we need you to keep on doing what we've asked you to do. We've trained you to do it. You're doing a great job at it. Mm -hmm. But when you see these things happen and sometimes with maturity, it does just as the body grows and continues to form, you will see skills that you didn't see before. And as those changes happen, we need to come and evaluate, you know, and if, Mm -hmm. and if that's a month down the road, then it's a month down the road. If it's, three to six months, then that's fine too. Like whatever mom needs to be feel, to feel comfortable. Yeah. That's what we want to provide. Oh, that's good. That's good. That is real good. And so there's a lot more to speech pathology than just practicing your, S and your, your S's and your T's and your diphthongs and your, <laughs> all those things that mm-hmm. we think of with speech, right? Yeah. Because I mean, even though I've been a speech therapist for a really long time, um, I mean, there's a whole area like, dyslexia that I don't get into, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm not good at that part. Well, what's I, in, and what's interesting is that 
my daughter, like speech issues my daughter had and mm-hmm. dyslexia a lot of times are linked. They are and very I didn't know linked. that. So she ended up, she had dyslexia, like it's first grade and I'm calling her teacher saying, mm-hmm. I mean, she's the hardest worker in the class. She studies her spelling words and she cannot, like one minute she spells them right, literally mm-hmm. 30 seconds later, she can't. And right. so I literally am calling her teacher in first grade saying halfway through the year going, we're not doing spelling anymore. We're just not. Because we, we knew we were going to have her tested. You just can't get them tested till like the end of first right. grade. Um, but, and she had an amazing teacher. Mm-hmm. So like I said, Frisco ISD is really good about mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And so sure enough, she was dyslexic when we got her mm-hmm. tested. But I didn't know those two things were linked. Right. So there are other things to speech. Like if, if your kid has this, if your kid is struggling with speech issues when they're younger, are there things that moms should be looking out for as they get not older? Dreading, like, not dreading, but looking out dreading. for exactly. yeah. like, how can I help my kid? Yeah. yeah. So then you're That's not right. caught. I was totally caught off guard because yeah. I had no idea. But I mean, not directly. Like, I mean, if you have a fluency problem, like testing shows that those kids are some of the smartest kids out there. You know, they have really high IQs. Um, even our dyslexic kids have really high IQs. Yeah. They just don't see letters. It's totally Their a processing brain thing, right? interprets yeah. them differently than the mm-hmm. way traditional teaching guidelines teach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if your child maybe has trouble following directions, and I'm saying maybe, like, take it with a grain of salt. Like, maybe if they're having trouble following directions or maybe organizing their play or things like that, you might end up thinking my kid's attention deficit later on. I'm not a doctor. I cannot diagnose any of those things outside of you have an expressive language disorder, receptive or feeding like Mm -hmm. that's or speech problem. Those are only things that I can diagnose. But, um, I feel like if you try therapy and you, usually you end up at therapy because something happened where you feel frustrated. You're like, as a parent, I feel like my child's not doing what typical friends are doing. And I'm feeling struck. And I'm feeling frustrated and I don't know how to facilitate or help. So then you end up going down the therapy line, right? And um, I feel like if you're at a point where therapy maybe has progressed, but it's not taking off or or you just still kind of have your mama gut that something's wrong, then definitely go and get outside testing. Scottish Rite's a great place to go. There are tons of clinics that can provide testing. I know I, I got my degree from Texas Women's University and my son, again, Niku, he was three and he wasn't talking. We went to early childhood program. And then like two or three months after getting him to talk, he started having fluency problems. And I'm like, I hate fluency. I can't do this. <laughs> not my favorite part of speech. Yeah, I'm just like, get it out, you know, which is not yeah. what you should do. Um, and so then I started talking about We're not about always the best with our own kids at things oh, we're good yeah. with everybody. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I think the worst. Oh, totally. With kids. I mean, our I feel like kids. I was a good teacher, but I did not want to, I would never homeschool because I think mm-hmm. I'd be a horrible homeschool oh, yeah. mom. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be good at teaching my own kids. No, I was awful. Like, I'd be like, we are not reading that 200 page book. You're dyslexic. <laughs> we are reading that 35 page book. I was like, I don't want to read the 35 page book. It's about a girl in a red dress. And I'm like, but it's 35 pages. <laughs> Like, we can get through 35 pages, 200, the school year will be over and we'll be on page 35. That's right. And and it's interesting you say that because my daughter started pushing more and more towards the end of elementary after she did the Take Flight Dyslexia Program, Mm -hmm. which was tremendous. Scottish Rite, I think, is the one Mm -hmm. that developed it, right? Um, 
she started pushing more, wanting to do more. And I was the one I had to stop myself because I was worried about her frustration level and her sadness and her when she couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like if something happened. So I would try. So I had to stop myself from keeping her from trying. Right. Like I had to let her try. And then sit with her. She cried when it wouldn't work. And so, right. but you know, she's doing great now. I mean, mm-hmm. she's in high school. Um, so how do you, t- what about moms that are like, I'm so frustrated with watching my kids struggle so much. Like, how do you talk to them about just emotionally like walking with their kid, but not trying to protect them from all the hardness? Cause they are different. Yeah, like my totally daughter different. was different. Um, she wasn't the same as every kid. Right. And she well, ended up having to embrace that, you know? I think you've got to find something that y'all can both be successful at, you know? Oh, that's a good idea. Like, um... I struggled. I felt like I was the worst mom ever because when my kids were little, like, to sit down and play little putt shops, I was like, I don't know. Like, hi, I'm home. Mm, that's right there with you, girl. And then I'm like, what, right do I, what do I say next? And I'm like, oh, you do this all day. Like, you do this with other kids. Like, what? And I'm like, the difference is, is these kids are talking bad to me. And they're, and I'm like, oh, my imagination doesn't go right there. No, nope. You know, and it's I felt when you said, awful. hi, I'm home. Yeah. And I've I had so much mom, mommy guilt from that. Um, But... I like to do puzzles. Yeah. So we did puzzles because... And your kids liked them too, probably. Oh, really? No. <laughs> no. But they liked games. I just wanted... So y'all they did a bit games. of both. So we did games. But then also, like, it's it's a busy day. Yeah. Like, we don't we do not do as much of that stuff as what we should. Um, Hank the Cow Dog was something good for us for reading. Yeah. We love that one. Um, yeah. What is Cow Dog? Oh, Hound Dog? Cow Dog? What is I thought he was... A book? I don't. I remember the picture. I remember it's the a picture. dog that lives on a farm, and they are great. They're easy reads. It's kind of like hound dog or hound cow dog. Cow dog. It's, cow. it's like a series of books. It's a series about. of books. It's it kind of like, like Ramona or like Delicious like readers. Oh, okay. or something like it was, that. Yeah. Okay. So it I have a hard time because we liked Ramona for my daughter, but like for my son, like he didn't care about that one. Mm-hmm. So. Hank the cow dog. Oh, Hank the cow dog. Okay. There we <laughs> so go. A picture. That's cute. Okay. <laughs> no, the early reader, like, and that's, too, just the, um, I think it's a mom listening, and, and the mama guilt is, is like, for yeah. real, man, for all of us. And I think when your child is struggling, I mean, take being able to walk forward without taking all that on, mm-hmm. like, it's your fault. Yeah, you can't take that on. And I think for me, I had so much anxiety during those young stages with my own kids. I could play with everybody else's kids, right? I could play and I could do therapy because I had goals. And maybe I should have, like, wrote goals for my play with my kids. And then it would have been easier to do that with my own children. But I didn't think about that. Well, and you're so in your head with the mama guilt. You can't think about goals with your own kids. I mean, I tried to do charts. I tried to do all these things that moms like to say were awesome, which is great. If you're a chart mom out there, awesome. But none of that works for me. Nope. I did it in the classroom too, but I, I bought it. it home. I know. So I tried cute. to put it together. I donated it to somebody. <laughs> somebody loved it. Thank you for donating. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> it's true. But I do think finding things like my kids, like we, I worked full time. So then we came home and my son kind of struggled with eating. He's like a peanut butter jelly kid. Like, yeah. And um, so what we did is they had stools and we cooked together when I got home. So That's it wasn't fun. me cooking dinner. It was everybody. And even though Nico made his delicious soup, he didn't eat it, but he made, helped make mm, the soup, yes. you know. And I, I think that that was important. And then my daughter was into like TV commercials. So then she would film us and then we would, you know, have a little TV commercial about our dinner product that we made. What and stuff. Fun. 
So I think you have to figure out what tasks you have to get done during the day and what tasks they could help you with. Mm-hmm. You know, like they could help you with laundry because that's just picking up clothes. And it and may take longer, but that's okay. Yeah. You have to embrace that, right? Yeah. You have to embrace the Because then you don't have to sit down and play Little Pet Shop later on. Oh, sign me up for laundry as much as I hate it. I'll do that versus Pet Shop. Yeah. So as long as you can maybe hide the Little Pet Shops underneath the laundry and whoever (laughs) finds it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you have to make it something that's rewarding for you and them. That's really, and that's, that's all really huge good. with developing language mm-hmm. is this. So in your home, like if, if again, if a mom's listening going, okay, I'm seeing some differences. I'm seeing some challenges. The nuggets are call ECI, yeah. call the school district. If they're three, the school district, you get them, you the go school get district, them evaluated. You can actually call the school district up to age 22. It's called child find. Yeah. And um, they will direct you on where to go. And if you call your school district and maybe they're, or your homeschool, um, and they're too busy, then call another one. I yeah. mean, you can just call and then talk to your pediatrician. And if you feel like nobody's listening to you, you can always seek out a developmental pediatrician. So what and, do you go ahead? Well, real fast though, you also have friends. You do you have, have friends. mommy friends. So mm-hmm. and it's funny hard to take stuff, but you need to you need to listen to your mama friends. So the other day I was with a friend that I've known since our boys were two or three. So she introduces me to kind of her new boyfriend. And she was like, this is the friend that told me my son has a speech issue. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a horrible way to introduce me. <laughs> she was like, yeah, but I, she literally was like, I was clueless. Oh, yeah. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. Because at one point, her son and my son were talking and her son wasn't. And I was like, and all I said, why don't you go have him tested? It's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was like, oh, he's fine. She totally blew it. Oh, he's fine. And the next time she made a comment, she was like, do you think I'm, it's, something's wrong? I said, I don't think it's wrong. I just don't think he's on pace with the other kids who are sitting here in the room. Yeah, but you really have to judge your audience because some you moms would be like, no. Yeah. And my child is right. not the no. best apple that's in right. the group. Well, I but mean, she was very open and she, she allowed people to speak to her that way. But I didn't say anything that was like, your son is delayed. Your son is this. I just mm-hmm. said, why don't you go yeah. and test it? Like, if you think, just yeah. go and test it. So I didn't yeah. touch her son. Really. And that humility mm-hmm. is important because you're going, I don't know. I'm just as a friend just saying, saying, why wouldn't I say this as a friend? Because I love you and I love your kid. Mm-hmm. I did say, too, and you get free child care. And she was a working mom. And she was like, sign me up for the free child care. I, <laughs> yep. I hope he gets in there. <laughs> that's a small incentive on her part. So what, And that actually goes to the question I was about to ask, like, what about people who are scared to know what's wrong with their kid? Like, are they scared of a label? You hear that a lot still. Like, and their the husbands are, are scared. Their mom may not be, but the are. husband is like, uh-uh. I and do they not fight want my son. that when honestly, there can yes. truly be something there to help your kid. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you say to that? Especially because intervention, early intervention, is so key. Well, I mean, I think everybody gets to that spot when they're real, when they can recognize, you know. What's going on? Like, I have a family that I'm training right now. I'm training a couple of the kids in the house. And um, I would say that we probably need a developmental pediatrician to probably give us an autism diagnosis. Mm. I feel pretty confident in that. But even whenever I tested them, it was like, oh, no, they just don't talk. And they're just not eating. And, you know, it was just like, oh, no. But their older brother was late. Their so-and-so was late with that. Ex- so-and-so. Like excuses They're, they're not Russian. ready for it. Like, if I threw that but out there, they would be like, nope, get out of my house. And Okay, so, so this is why I'm pushing a little bit because there's somebody listening, right, that might be mm-hmm. on the edge. Okay, so this is why 
Tell people, though, how much does three months or six months matter in the life of a child in their brain development? I think it's important. Like different disorders, different syndromes definitely have different windows of growth. Like you can have your Down syndrome that are kind of steady, slow, and then at three years old, they kind of peak a little bit. But then around like five or seven, sometimes I've seen their skills just like take off. But then once you get to eight and nine, you're kind of going into puberty, kind of getting ready. Your body's getting ready for that. So this whole like speech and language, finding gross motor development kind of gets put on the back burner for your body because your body's going to start dealing with hormones. And before the age That's of so four, important. there's a lot of development going, a lot on going on and a window will close. And I guess I'm pushing even harder, maybe saying that, trying not to, there's a window that might close right? where if you need to kind of try to address as many of those issues as we possibly can. If you right. don't know what you're dealing with because you haven't gone to get kind of an evaluation done, mm-hmm. you don't know right. what Because I have a little boy that I have right now, and he's all over the place. Like, he is jumping, hand-flapping. And next year, mom thinks – and he was um, e-learning through kinder. So this school has no clue what they're going to get in first grade. And he can't sit. He doesn't know any letters. He doesn't even know what his name looks like. And so all I can do is keep on saying, here are the facts. Here are are what we are expecting – this let me pull out the curriculum page from the school. A first grader is already reading paragraphs, is already, you know, already knows 50 plus sight words, you know, like I have to pull out that stuff and kind of show them. But if they're not gonna get there to their on their own, then I mean all I can do is continue to be in the home to right. encourage and structure and maybe shape so that it is a good language rich environment. So all those kiddos have been on e-learning for a year. That maybe needed somebody I mean, to this look. Is, this is yeah. going to be like, not luckily in Texas, I don't think there have been as many, but there's going to be a lot of moms right now or parents struggling with the fact their kids haven't been seen. Mm-hmm. I remember when I worked in Mesquite School District, and so I had like two or three preschool PPCDs. The preschool mm-hmm. ones, like they're not ready for school, but they got something going on a little bit more. And um, this cute little girl, like beautiful gold curls. Just, I mean, she blended really well in the classroom, but it came to like us doing her art and we were going to have to decide whether she went into kindergarten or if she stayed in like a self-contained classroom and maybe went into kindergarten some. And mom was not happy with me because I was like, she doesn't know her color. She doesn't know this. Like she just smiles and says yes to everything. Like I could give her like a pile of dirt and say, this is your lunch. And she'd be like, okay. And I'm like that, like, there's something like we need more, but the teacher in the classroom was more, oh, she's just so sweet. She's so kind. She does the puzzles. She does it. Because she is. Because she was. Yes. I mean, no, yeah. no misrepresentation right. there, but right. truly academically, we didn't have those simple ap- academic skills that we needed. And, um, that art meeting lasted a really long time yeah. and they were really upset there were people that were upset. I mean, yes. her mom was upset because she was like, I didn't know this. I didn't know where we were headed. I didn't know that we wouldn't end and up this, in And I will say 504 meetings, ARD meetings, all those. We're saying admission review and dismissal meetings with mm-hmm. ARD stands for. All those meetings with teachers and administrators and therapists. And you're sitting there. It's intimidating to be on the parent side of that. Mm-hmm. Like I And I didn't realize how much until... I was on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially I've done it for young. years, especially for little. You kind of are like, but they can grow out of it. They can grow out of it. And I mean, you're the hoping older ones. for more. Yes. 
you're wanting so much more, you're hoping mm-hmm. for more for them, and it can be very emotional. And then you're trying to express and advocate for them, and like your emotions are in the middle of it. I mean, it's just that well, can be hard. I remember my own art meeting with my son, and I'm like, well, you know, like we're in first grade and we still don't know our letters. We didn't know our letters. And um, I'm like, this is not working. And you've had, you know, six, eight months, whatever, nine mm-hmm. months, however long they're in school. And we've gotten like two letters out yeah. of the deal. Like this cannot be it. And I was like, what so just something tragedy? What yeah. do we do? Because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing right. over and over and over again. And then I was like, so in speech therapy, whenever I try something and it doesn't work, I give it about two weeks. And if they're not getting it, then I'm like, okay, I got to switch it up and I've got to teach it a different way, a different way. And that, that, in that meeting, that it was like, we keep on repeating, we we keep on reteaching, reteaching and, um, with repetition and, um, reintroducing, then they will get it. And I do agree with that because even like whenever I'm teaching my little ones that, um, can't talk. And so we're going to use pictures. Like there's studies done that sometimes some kids get it off 10 pictures. So that would be 10 exposures and some kids, it could take a million. And at some point it clicks and it does. I do believe it, but I don't believe in the school system. You have that much time. Mm, that's true. So I feel like as a parent, you have to be that advocate and you have to be searching and going to a clinic and, you know, even dyslexia, testing that they do in the school, they only do the academic type of right. dyslexia testing. Right. There's a whole there's other gamut amounts. of yes. it And there's out there. so many different, the, dyslexia is a spectrum, just mm-hmm. like a lot of other things. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, so how do you, um, then, I'll even say that with therapists too, like you have therapists that are really good with feeding and you have therapists that are really good with articulation. Yes. And, and I, we kind of ran into that problem. Our school therapist wasn't great with fluency, which was fine. It was easier for her to focus on articulation. But then I said, okay, we're going to go to the TW speech clinic. Cause you're like, I'm not going to get fluency either. either so he's not getting any. I don't, <laughs> don't want to talk about turtles either. <laughs> It's kind of like the little acronym or, you know, the visual you use for your slow, easy speech. So it can be a process <laughs> because if you're going like if you're with speech, that it is so like specific. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what can be frustrating, right? Is you're right. honing in on yes. such specific mm-hmm. things and you're saying not everybody's good at all of them. No. So you have to work to find. No. And sometimes even, you know. The one that's good. You know, we did go to the speech clinic at TW and they're be- great program, great students. Obviously, I graduated from there. I think I'm decently fabulous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you are. But there were some therapists that he connected better with and there mm. were some therapists that he didn't. And that's the thing. Like if you're in, I think you've had another mom talk about that before totally. on mm-hmm. one of your podcasts. Um, there is definitely, and don't, don't feel like you're hurting somebody's feelings because yes. there's just some things that you're, you're good at and you're not good yes. at, you know, and it, it's not that it's okay. We're all yeah, different. Right. That's what makes us right. great. And if mm-hmm. I was only good at one part of my discipline, then think about all those other kids that I couldn't treat or that wouldn't get help because they'd be waiting around, you know, mm-hmm. it all just kind of works true. out. Yeah. And I think embracing your kids, good, your, your kids qualities, what their, you know, what their, what their strengths are. That's what you need to focus on as a mom. Like if your kid is really active and great at, climbing i mean enjoy your part time that's your time that's yeah. his time to flourish he's going to be happiest she's going to be happiest and if your child likes to color like enjoy it like and there is a lot of pressure now with it. all the academics moving down like you're saying kinder is what probably into first grade used to be beginning of second all the academics 
Oh, down. yeah. Don't so, get me started on that. I know, right? Because <laughs> like, even, like, I'm not an OT, but hand dominance is kind of not necessarily always there for everybody at five years old. Right, sure. So, but we're wanting sentences and paragraphs yes. by the end of the year. So Yeah, it's... That's it's a hard. whole nother conversation, isn't it? Because we had another teacher that said the same thing, that it's not always appropriate how much we've pushed mm-hmm. academically down to a yeah. younger, younger I don't age. think they match the developmental norms too much anymore. So, man, that is another podcast. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the nuggets we get as we close, because, man, we've been talking for a while. I could talk, like, forever. This is so interesting. This is Thank y'all's you, happy Jennifer. spot, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> <Christine> <laughs> like, I'm yeah, learning yeah, a yeah. lot. I'm taking notes. I have lots of notes. I'm taking notes. <laughs> So, um, nuggets are, hey, don't hesitate to go get evaluated. It's free. You can go to ECI. There's no shame in it. There's no shame in it. That's a good word, Christy. Yes. There's no shame in it. Try, don't avoid it if you possibly can. Listen to kind of some friends. Now, we're hoping nobody hits somebody over the head with information in a way that's unkind, Mm -hmm. but just in kindness. Say, hey, have you thought about? But lots of times people who are already questioning it. They'll be looking, and you yep. can see them looking, and they'll start asking affirm. questions like, right. oh, well, does your kid do this? Does your kid do this? Yep. No, you know what? But I did have a friend, and when her child wasn't doing that, she took them to the doctor. I always say that. Kind of, I had a friend. I, I had mean, another friend or a family member. And don't it's avoid an it either. Way. Like, as a friend, too, that's even if it's a hard conversation to have, that's not nice either. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you could be the one saying, like, Christy, so with her friend, you know, she mm-hmm. was the one that helped me see. You, too, could be introduced as the one that says, this says. is the kid. <laughs> right. My friend. And that told me my but kid I, couldn't talk at me. <laughs> I also think that there obviously are children out there who don't fit developmental norms. And That's we right, as moms too. need to, and as a professional, we need to embrace those families because right. those families need just as much love. Yes. And they very often feel isolated and alone. And yep. Yep. It breaks really my heart. I'll be honest. I feel like they need I mean, more a lot love. of my families, like they don't, like as their child continues to get bigger and they're not doing what other children are doing, and their behaviors are not necessarily as socially appropriate, their worlds get so small, and it is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Because they still have the same hurts, the same questions that we do. You know, the mommy guilt, all that stuff is exactly the same. So as a friend, it's a matter of don't leave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Things start changing. Your kids don't play together the same. That's it. When your kid, even though because your kids don't play together the same same. or they don't have the same, still maintain that mommy friendship. And your kids need to learn. Yes, they do. Kids need to learn how to play with people that are different. We had a friend that um, he when he was little. Why am I talking now? We need to wrap up. No, keep going. It's okay. Her son was not. Wasn't diagnosed yet, but had Asperger's later on. But my kids would come home and be like, why doesn't he ever play with us? Like, we go, she invites us over, but he would hang out with the adults. Mm-hmm. He would be with us. Yeah. And my kids were like, I thought we are here to play with him. No. And, and they made other comments. And then we just had to talk about it. Yeah. This is the way he is. Mm-hmm. He still wants a friend. He doesn't know that whatever, but you still have to be a friend to him. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to lose this friendship because you want to go play soccer and he wants to sit and put his toys in a line. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, we've done it 10 times. Yeah. Sorry, do it 11 and do it 12. That's so good. Pick a different toy besides the truck and then he That's won't right. mess with them either. And yeah. Play beside oh, him. dang it. That would have been good advice yeah. a long time ago. That's okay. I'll use that later. Now you can give it to another friend. <laughs> I'm going to pass that on. That's right. <laughs> More nuggets. That's Got good. lots of little nuggets. Right. In the end, people are not all the same, man. But We're love, them. To love them. Just anyway. love them. Love them all. Yeah. Love them all. That's right. Just love Always them answer all. church. 
Is love or Paul? <laughs> and Jesus. Jesus. I was like, where's Jesus? You put Paul out there. No, well, like, usually they say, well, who wrote this? Or who is yeah. this written And Paul to wrote a letter. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, Paul. Is it Old Testament or New Testament? That's right. <laughs> okay. Paul, David. Paul, David, Moses. Moses. Yeah. I was going to say, throw Moses in there. I'm not super. <laughs> okay. Well, That's thank great. you so much, Um Jennifer, we will have you on again, I am sure, as another expert to talk about um, other things because there were so many rabbit holes and rabbit trails we didn't follow. And you're filled with so much good information. Yes. That's applicable. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Practical Thank and applicable. You, friend. Is great. We appreciate you coming for sure. So, anyway, that's it um, for us today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. But until next week, guys, this is Noisy Narratives out. Bye. What happens now?